Hello, and welcome to the Christchurch Fox Chapel podcast. You want to know how to grow a podcast? You fill a studio with people. I'm joined today by the senior warden of Christchurch Fox Chapel, Catherine Parham. Hello. Hello. Hi, Catherine. I'm also joined by Corrie Passavant. Hello. Hello. And by another member of the vestry, Specky Jordan. Hello. Some call her Lo. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, ladies. Well, Glad uh, to be here. Thank you. I just crashed your uh, prayer meeting, which was phenomenal. Uh, and then you, you made the mistake, really, of actually asking mm. a pastor to come. And then I roped you into the podcast. Thank and now you. here we are. Yeah, here you are. Welcome. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. We were just studying together. Corrie, you were just leading uh, this phenomenal thing. that We've done once or twice in our church, but not often. Um, and what were you calling it? Um, we were doing an Ignatian contemplation. Mm-hmm. We're um, experiencing different types of... Um, prayer and engaging with God through prayer. And this week we were um, praying in the Ignatian style, which is a prayer form that was developed by St. Ignatius of Loyola, like in the 1500s, where you're inviting your imagination um, into the reading of the scripture in a prayerful way and seeing where God guides. It was really wonderful. You read it three times with long pauses in between and you were inviting us to uh, be a character in the in the passage mm-hmm. that we'll hear in a moment, and and then just observe things, mm-hmm. uh, getting deeper and deeper each time. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. Um, how, I mean, how just before we even get into the passage, uh, you know, Becky and Catherine, what, what was it like for you? Have you done this before? I've never done it before, but I I really enjoyed it because it just lets my mind be blank, and then the Lord can just fill it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with whatever He wants to put in there. Mm-hmm. What about you, Catherine? Is this- I, I, I have had very, very limited experience with, with this kind of thing. As Alex said, we did have one, um, one time a couple of years ago when one of the congregation led a very similar thing mm. um, in the church. Um, I, it, I found it very moving and um, very difficult to put myself in those days Mm. Um, I kind of felt myself staying in my own life, but there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe Curry, that's part of what what works in mm-hmm. a way, you mm-hmm. know, because we can't just completely pretend that we're there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you don't have to be an expert in knowing exactly everything about first century Galilean culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you can yeah. trust. I think one of the gifts of the exercise is putting yourself in a place of trust in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. To guide as you're reading, um, where you go with it, that that's, that is the interactive nature of the prayer, Mm -hmm. which is different than what we usually, how we often engage in prayer. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's obvious, you know, the kind of preacher I am, you know, I like to go to a passage line by line. You know, if we've looked at verse two, it's pretty predictable. We're going to look at verse three next time, but it is a very, um, sort of mechanical mode of preaching that, that I'm into. Uh, and this is much more uh, absorbing, and uh, you know, at one point I think you said, as as I read through this passage this time, um, I think you said, "Imagine smell." Mm-hmm. You know, that was really intriguing. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. that was a part of what, how this kind of prayer was developed, that you bring in all of your senses. Mm -hmm. They are all gifts from God. Yeah. They can all be applied as we use our imagination, which itself is a gift of God to speak to us about how God wants to bring us in to experience who he is. Well, I think you do have to be, I don't mean to interrupt you. No, now, you but, should. Um, I think you do have to really be able to let go and not feel awkward. Mm -hmm. Like I know even, you know, a few years ago, before we really started praying out loud for people, mm -hmm. um, there would be like times of silence where Alex would pause or whoever the pastor was and waiting for someone to say something. And I, I just remember thinking, oh, I can't say things that eloquently. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. um, And just sitting there kind of with the silence. And today when we did the exercise, because we had, how long was it? Was it like eight minutes of silence? Yes, it was eight to ten minutes yeah. of silence till we were all. And when I first right. heard, I wasn't sure if I heard you come in, Alex, because you came in a little bit after we had started. And right. in my head, my first thought was, oh, I hope Alex doesn't think this is a weird thing to do. <laughs> like, I hope he doesn't like think, oh my gosh, what are they doing? Oh, I've been in churches for 20 years. I know weird. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm glad that you didn't think we were. But like for me, um, oh. just, I love the silence mm -hmm. part of it. And people say this quite a lot. You know, that didactic mode, it, our churches, our church services owe a bit too much to Plato, I think. You know, we're all going to sit in a row and listen to yes. this guy in mm -hmm. charge. Yes. That's a actually really weird model of church. And, you know, even in the Reformation, one of the things they did was they, they smashed the altars and they built tables in the middle of the room and said, let's gather around. Uh, so that the early church did the same thing, right? You know, we, we met in homes and we mm -hmm. talked to each other. So that's great talking together. Uh, but then what you observe also is silence. and. Mm -hmm. It is, it is amazing how silence can feel awkward, but this did not mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. Well, I did confess that as I, I guess, because I was kind of the keeper of the time I was watching and guiding. Mm -hmm. But for me, I was surprised how, uh, how hard it did feel to keep the silence that yeah. I, I checked my clock assuming it was we were halfway through our allotted 10 minutes and it was two minutes in <laughs> so I think that's something you know that I was learning as well how out of practice I am mm -hmm. with keeping silence yeah you know um, and allowing God to speak in that silence I kept thinking to Corey like mm -hmm. oh poor Corey she has to pay attention to the time <laughs> I was in my head and then I, it was like I heard God say don't worry I'll take yeah. care of Corey yes. it's okay I'll take care of her. Yeah. And then I was able to kind of fully like let go Aww. after I got over that. Is it, does Alex think we're weird? Aww. It doesn't okay. matter what I yeah. think anyway, but, but <laughs> I, I don't think it's weird. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I think what's weird is the stuff we think is normal. Yeah. Uh, you know, biblically and historically, the way the church has practiced all sorts of things is, 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 uh, you know, what we have is a very sanitized and formalized process, which is great for communicating the truth, but it's, it's not that engaging. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I think it was so valuable. Mm -hmm. We should probably look at the passage, um, you know, as you might be detecting the listener, this is not the normal way we do things, but, um, it, and this is a passage that, uh, is actually in the lectionary for, for Lent, really helpful. It's not the one that we're looking at this weekend in Ben's sermon, but, uh, I think it's, it's related and it's helpful. So we're in Luke chapter four, verse 14. Um, Corrie, would you, 
Would you read a little bit of it for us? I will. I'll read this passage. And I would invite the listener. We're not going to do the whole exercise. But as you listen to this passage, if you have a chance to focus your mind in a in a special separate way if you're not driving and can close your eyes but operating heavy machinery exactly <laughs> but take these few moments to in a small way listen in a way that puts yourself in this passage engaging your imagination and and maybe your senses as we mentioned too what you would see or smell or hear feel who all's there the scene so this is Luke 4 14 through 30. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, He found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Do hear in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. I tell you the truth, he continued. No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet none of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, to, be God. to God. Catherine and Becky, that's the fourth time you've heard the passage this morning, mm-hmm. and uh, we've been steeping in it now for an hour or so. Mm-hmm. Are you able to share just anything you got from it in terms of uh, you know really imagining yourself into the story? I found myself imagining myself as a woman in the synagogue, watching Jesus Mm. and being focused on his statement that the oppressed were going to be freed and feeling very oppressed and worried about my family Mm. and focused on that. And then what I heard was that he wasn't going to do it for me because I was in his hometown. 
um, and that he'd done it for you know, other people had been cured and cleansed, but I wasn't going to be. So I was with the crowd who was angry and violent. And then I saw him and suddenly I was off myself and my concerns and could see him, something about him when he walked through the crowd made me know that I just wanted to follow him. And when I listened to it, I viewed myself as a like a younger woman, not married yet, uh, still under the authority of my parents. I imagined my parents, my siblings, all of us being in the synagogue, um, hearing Jesus say that the law was fulfilled in him and just feeling um, a very visceral reaction of like terror, um, but at the same time feeling really relieved, like finally he's here. Mm. And then seeing all of the my neighbors and friends become angry with him and me still wondering in my head, well, he just said he's the law, it's fulfilled, yeah. but yet now we're turning on him. And then him being manhandled and brought to this cliff to be thrown off the side, um, but yet he's not, at which I just feel like that has to be it, the Holy Spirit mm. putting a shield around mm-hmm. him and just letting him be able to walk off. And as he walks off, me feeling like it's kind of sad because I... In some part of me recognizes really who he is, um, but not understanding why he won't heal my friends and my mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. It it seems to have one of the I mean, we've all observed or felt slightly different things from mm-hmm. this exercise, but mm-hmm. one of the themes that's come out is uh, a willingness to admit things we don't yes. know, yeah, uh, or or admit things uh, that we don't believe, and that's been interesting. Yeah, uh, is that something? Corey, I'm taking it that you've, you've led this sort of thing before. Is, is this common? Yes, yeah. I, just the freedom that you have to not approach it cognitively, but mm-hmm. through your emotions. Um, there's, you get to experience sometimes being angry at Jesus, you know, um, is what you shared. And where is that anger coming from? What does God want to do with that? Does that scare God? I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> you know, but yeah, God yeah. wants all our whole hearts. You know, and what does God want to do with that? And just, I think the beauty and the power that we all experienced in this interaction is this time of experiencing God, Mm. you know, that this interaction is prayer, prayer being a personal experience with God. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it's, and and I just find it so cool that you never, you know, know where it's going to lead you, where God, mm-hmm. what God has for you, and having to kind of put yourself in the mercy of uh, trusting the Holy Spirit to guide you somewhere good mm. with God. Mm-hmm. And one of yeah. the things we talked about beforehand was, you know, that can make people nervous um, or feeling like they're stepping outside of the bounds of Scripture or the passage or what right. would be safe, but that that requires then from us some wisdom and some discernment in terms of, um, which is again, another spiritual practice mm-hmm. as we grow in spiritual maturity to look at where this experience is guiding us. Is it bringing us closer to God or further away? Mm-hmm. Is it, 
uh, one of the words they use is, is it bringing you consolation or desolation? Right. These are ways we discern whether it's the, the good spirit of God at work in our prayer that keeps us kind of, you know, centered in the scripture and centered on the God that we know as we trust the experience of prayer. So, yeah. so we were each um, having this experience of, of admitting to how we weren't, um, you know, dissecting this thing from above as the people that know it all, mm-hmm. but actually we're experiencing it live um, as people who are being drawn towards Jesus and then questioning aspects mm-hmm. of what Jesus is all about uh, and sort of that dance there, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, very reminiscent of a conversion experience mm-hmm. of, you know, am I into this thing or not? And what's the spirit doing in my heart as, as I go along? Um, intriguingly, uh, each of us probably got to something that was tantamount to confession. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I mean, in my case, uh, you know, I, I felt a bit like the foreigner in the in the crowd uh, who was suddenly hearing all this stuff about actually how the gospel frequently goes out to the wrong sort, mm-hmm. because that's the nature of good news. It's not earned. Uh, it's it's given to people who really need it. Uh, and then the passage, no sooner, you know, you're getting used to this idea that uh, actually uh, frequently God has blessed people. Um, in situations that aren't uh, aren't the right sort of one, like uh, mm-hmm. like the widow, um, suddenly the crowd has moved on and they're all really annoyed with Jesus because he's basically just told them, "Hey, guess what? You're not inherently awesome just because mm-hmm. you're Jews, uh, and they're going to kill him." Mm-hmm. And I'm in that crowd, not stopping it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That's really helpful in Lent because. One of the things we're trying to wrestle with in this series on the cross is is the reality that, that Christ hung on the cross for us. So we're not the good guys who didn't really need the cross. We're, we're, the, mm-hmm. we're the stranger who's brought in through it. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times? So that's basically my only sermon, but it, it definitely um, went deeper today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Y- um, I don't know if you're willing just to share your perspective, Corey. Um you know, it's always hard when you're leading a thing and then trying to enter into a thing. Uh, you know, our eyes were closed. You were dealing with an iPhone. But yeah, but it was, it just it's cool to know that God spoke to Becky. That, oh yeah, because I wasn't exper- I wasn't expecting necessarily to know whether I would engage the passage or just kind of lead this exercise. But we started saying, "Well, I'm going to do it today," and then you know, when we do it again, someone else will lead me, and so that we all get to experience it. But God did have word you know and 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 an experience for me which i was grateful for i i shared that i um in imagined myself as a little girl holding my mother's hand on the women's side of the synagogue and um just the experience of 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 observing jesus and knowing as a child does that this is a good this is a this this good man and his gracious words like the passage said just had presence of grace and gentleness and strength and his supreme confidence knowing that this is someone I feel safe with and I want to watch um and and just feeling my eyes trained on that Jesus and the beauty of uh, his words and presence and watching all the adults you know praise him for what he was saying and cheer for him basically and feel proud of him as their native son. And then something else happened Mm -hmm. 
where I got to be as a child removed from trying to parse out and understand cognitively what the theology that was happening, but just experience it in my feelings as a child, which felt like a gift for me because I so often come to scripture with just my mind Mm -hmm. um, engaged. And so to be a child not much more engaged in my feelings. It felt like a gift in this interaction from um, of an experience with Jesus as a child with these eyes enamored of him, still certain that I, you know, want to, wanted to watch him and that I trusted him while all the adults are starting to rail and, and anger and violence. And that causes me fear, but I watch him walk out or be pushed out of the synagogue and my, I see this Jesus, and I can smell his earthy dirtiness, and, but I'm still just like, just know that my eyes, whatever's happening, I want to follow this Jesus and see where he goes. And then that Jesus in my imagination that I'm envisioning, he turns and he looks at me, this little girl, and he smiles at me. And Jesus smiled at me mm-hmm. today, <laughs> you know, and that is just, just is an incredible, unexpected gift of this yeah. time today in in first corinthians 13 it says then uh, we shall we shall uh, see him face to face and uh, we shall we shall know even as we have been fully known mm-hmm. so there's this notion that that uh, in eternity we get this uninterrupted eye to eye face to face experience of god mm-hmm. and uh you know that's that's not something we really really have this this side of eternity. We have great proximity. We're in Christ. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. We're sitting under the Word. We're in fellowship with one another. There's all sorts of ways in which we get these little kingdom echoes. I mean, we've seen um, Becky miraculous healings. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've recently conducted a terrible funeral that was in so many ways awesome. Just being with Patty in her dying month. Mm-hmm. Um, as she observes all of the most important things, uh, so beautiful, and so we have undoubtedly heavily engaged spiritual experiences that are very proximate, and yet nothing this side of eternity compares to uh, the full intimacy of, of the resurrection life. Uh, this, though, has been really helpful mm. for me. I've enjoyed it. Um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add, really, to the passage. It's it's an unusual way to do a podcast, but. Um, Benzo was talking about things being meta, which is where I think I think that just is like a millennial way of saying we're talking about talking about things. Next week he'll tell us what it really means. But uh, anything, anything for you, Catherine at all? That that. Um, no, I mean what I can what I can say is that I'm learning a lot from Corey, huh? and that that's what I've been praying for in my own prayers, mm. is that, that that continues, that he mm. helps me mm. to pray better, mm. to pray more, to pray more as he wants me to, mm. whatever way that is. Yeah. Mm. Well, you've, you've been a very prayerful person, which is one of the reasons why you're a warden again. <laughs> um, I, you know, I mean... I, I feel as if I, I, as I said to Becky, I feel as if my, I, I pray like a child, you know, I, you know, I love you. That's all the better. I love you, and I, I want, I want you to, I want you to do yeah. this, that, and the other thing. And now I'm trying to be better and saying, if that's your will, but I know <laughs> yeah, you right, really, right. I mm-hmm. really do want it. 
But maybe that's one of the things that's, I mean, you don't really, Jesus doesn't really say you go and pray like a Pharisee, does he? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. But maybe that's one of the things that's so awesome about a child is there's, there's um, I mean, children are a little bit selfish. And so they, they just kind of bring it, right? right. Yeah. How I feel today is this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God seems to be asking for that. And I don't know, as a dad, I love it when, when my kids talk to me about what they want. Especially Ben, who never wants anything. Like, I mean, if he wants a shirt, I'm like, yeah, let's get it in every color, because that kid never asks for anything. Aww. So there's something, isn't there, though, about a about a, a, a parent? We're all parents. Uh, that when your child wants something, unless it's eleven at night and you're trying to sleep. But <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. More water. Yeah. No, <laughs> kitchen's closed. <laughs> Shut up. See you in the morning. But but. Ordinarily, on a good day, when your child wants something, mm-hmm. we want to mm-hmm. bless them. I don't think a childish prayer is a bad thing. And I, I think maybe, I could be wrong, but I feel like probably the person we see praying the most in the scripture is David, and he certainly prayed with all his heart, mm-hmm. all those feelings, appropriate or not. <laughs> he was all over the place, right. you know? And every time Jesus prays, he says, Father. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That's interesting. I, I think it's um, cool how these sorts of experiences that we had today, we didn't come to God asking for things, mm. you know, which is often what we think about in prayer. But when we approach God with those sorts of, with that heart or those sorts of requests, that normal thing we think about as prayer, we come now with this deeper experience of a, of a personal n- knowledge of Jesus, you know, that moved our grew our souls in the knowledge of who God is inside of us that informs then and broadens and deepens those all those kinds of prayers. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what they call the Passavantian crescendo. <laughs> We've been waiting and waiting for one. And there's a Colombian band. They write to us every day say, Dear Pastor Alex, why can't we have something that's not from Ben Wolpe anymore? <laughs> I'm really grateful that you join us. It's fantastic of you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for a great morning of prayer together, ladies, and thanks for being on the podcast. This has been a podcast of Christchurch Fox Chapel. We're grateful that you would listen, and we'll see you all very soon. God bless.